Disclaimer. Please check your playback settings. Ensure you are listening to this podcast at normal speed. Unless you want us to sound drunk. Then play at half speed. Thank you. Why, good morning, Q. M, what necessity brings you my way? Well, I'm here for a family friend. I hired these three as your new interns. What's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, <clears throat> good, good day. Oh, oh, it's... <clears throat> Fantastic. Fodder for the fields. What? All right, well, sounds like you've got things in order. I shall take my leave. So, what are your deals? <clears throat> well, old chap, my name's Reginald, and I have a very extensive background in engineering and support. Mm-hmm. Yes, I does. Fabulous! My name is Nigel, it is, it is, and I am from London Town. Uh, uh... And I am Thompson, and I am too from the London. Uh... No, no, your specialties. I need to know where you're best fit in here at MI6. Oh, righto, righto. Uh, do you mind if we practice our American accents? Yes, it's... <clears throat> yes, I still need to work on... Mine? Of course, and I must say you definitely need practice. Reginald, where did you say you have experience? <clears throat> uh, yes, yes, um, I have developed an artificial intelligence construct. Um, I built a space-time elevator... And I have also built a fully functioning, completely wearable nuclear accelerator. When did he have time to do that? Ghostbusters 2? He's really embellishing the resume there. And I'm currently designing a dynamic automaton pneumatic bot. I call it Danbot. Wait, I told her to call it the Dananator. Wait, pneumatic starts with a P, not an N, so it should be a Pananator. Dap bot. Oh, hi, Josh. Welcome to the Whisper Circle. Sorry, you guys were just looking like... Fantastic! Oh. Well, I love a highly motivated intern, and I take it that these two are your assistants. Of course they are. They aren't the brightest crayons in the deck, but they can follow simple orders. Crayons don't come in decks. Wait one minute. We are not his assistants. Thank you very... Very good. It seems like you have a built-in team. Here's your assignment. I'll check on you later. I look forward to seeing what you come up with. Oh, I know I'll impress you, and you'll be impressed. <laughs> He's already left, Josh. You were such an ass. Yeah, I am not taking orders from All you. All right. Hey. Let's take a look at the assignment. Uh, infiltrate diamond smugglers. That seems simple enough. Uh, yeah, 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 possible infiltration locations. Ooh, this will be fun. Jamaica Circus. Hollowed out volcano? Okay. Oh, hey. Volcanoes are already hollow. Please include in design the following necessary tools. Tactical, ballistic, radio, uh, I'm in charge. Give me that. Oh, and uh, posterior headlight installed rocket propelled grenade launcher. It's my turn to look at it. God damn it. Ejection seat. I mean, this should be that hard. You know, give us, you know, what, three months, a year? I think we can push this out. Read the last line, Tom. Three days. So are we going to get started then, or, um... Yeah, let's watch a movie, guys. troubled by a strange Sylvester Stallone and Demolition Man in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of Grandel Bush and Maniac Cop 3 in your basement? Or Robert Davi in License to Kill in your attic? Have you or your family ever seen a spook, Spectre, or Timothy Dalton in The Rocketeer? 
If you've ever followed Joe Polito into the crow, then don't wait another minute. Pick up the phone and call the professionals. Ernie Hudson in Ghostbusters Afterlife. We're ready to believe you. This is it. The final chapter of season two of The Fire Pit. The Marshmallow Man March to the Afterlife. Step on through to the other side at firepitpodcast.com as Dan, Tom, and Josh take you towards the podcast's final and inevitable resting place, Ghostbusters Afterlife. It spooks, specters, ghosts, and it's here every Tuesday at the Fire Pit. We're ready to believe you. Bots and listeners, and welcome back to the fire pit. I'm Thompson, Tom Thompson, and we've got a smashing episode in store for you tonight on this, our third stop on the Marshmallow Man March into the afterlife. And Stop. since I, uh, that's right, I'm an, un, I'm undercover as a Yank. Yes, so <clears throat> let me get let me get my American voice. <clears throat> Moving on, we've. We've been fined for cussing and dodged a maniac cop, but we're on the march. Where are we marching to? Well, you're going to find out in a second. But as per our rules, we've taken an actor or actress from our last film and moved them onto this one. And now to give us an idea of what we're watching, and here we're watching, I'll send the briefcase over to Reginald. Why, thank you, Thompson. I'm Reginald, Josh Reginald. And last week, we watched Grandel Bush from Demolition Man to Maniac Cop 3. <coughs> Sorry, I had something in my throat. <coughs> from Demolition Man to Maniac Cop 3. And tonight, we're going to follow Robert Davi from playing a cop to a cop killer in 1989's License to Kill. The Fire Pit Podcast's first James Bond film, starring Timothy Dalton in the starring role. But now to give us a rundown and a spot of trivia on the film, I'm going to go ahead and uh, send a secret message via my satellite watch over to Nigel. Nigel? Thank you, Reginald. Nigel here. Dan Nigel. American name Dan. And as mentioned tonight, we're watching License to Kill. I can't do it. Not even with a cold. We're watching License to Kill, 1989 film set in the James Bond franchise starring Timothy Dalton, Robert Davi, Talicia Soto, Carrie Lowell, which, hey, Tom, 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 Tom. Nigel, Nigel, Tom. Nigel. Hey, Talicia Soto is also in Mortal Kombat, and now she's in License to Kill. What's that make her? <laughs> Say it. To Pete. Yes, he said the word. <laughs> Carrie Lowell uh, and a very young Benicio Del Toro. Although that's hard to tell because I'm pretty sure he was born at age 40. <laughs> Seriously, look at the pictures of the guy. Yeah. We're not wrong. He's always had the sunken eyes and the, the, the face that just looks like it's had a lot of miles on it. You know, he's just. Yeah, he was, he was born with a leather face and looks like he only got two hours of sleep last night. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know, he's a great actor. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, he always looks like he's uh, he's a couple of bottles into the into the night. If you get my drift, <laughs> so um, it had a release date of thirteen of uh, June thirteenth, or for you Brits, thirteen June nineteen eighty nine in London, and July tenth nineteen eighty nine in the United States. Um, it has a running time of one hundred and thirty three minutes, budget of thirty two million, box office return of one hundred fifty six point one million. Mm. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. But trivia on that later. Um, 
Rotten Tomatoes score of 78% with an audience score of 68% and an IMDb of 7 out of 10. So do they normally release a Bond film in London before they do in the United States? Yeah, the most time James Bond movies do get released in England before they get released here for obvious reasons. Yeah, that that makes sense. Okay, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, and just like some movies get screened for the president, you know, they they sometimes screen James Bond movies for the queen or the royal family before they release them to the theater. Oh, that that means they had to watch Die Another Day. We don't know. We don't know. I'm not sure. But uh, we did say the box office returns were kind of nice, but um, believe it or not, uh, with inflation in account, this is the lowest grossing film in the franchise. Oh, yeah. Um, a couple factors. Yeah, a couple factors. The marketing for the movie was subpar at best. It is to date the last James Bond movie to be released during the summer. After the, really? Yeah. After this film. Yeah. This film was released in the summer of 1989. After this one, the next one that won't come out again until um, GoldenEye. And that was a fall release. They mostly release James Bond movies in the fall now. And if you notice, one just came out just last month. So. Uh, no I've, time. Yeah, no time to die. Just came out. I've huh. never noticed that. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, James Bond movies are either fall or winter releases now. Well, Casino Royale. I swear to God, that movie came out. Uh, yeah, that was November two thousand six. I could have swore that came out in the summer, but yeah, that was November Same. two thousand six. <coughs> bizarre. Wow, I didn't realize that. Good bit yeah. of trivia there, Nigel. Yeah, well, uh, one of the reasons why it was it's the lowest grossing was there was a couple of factors. Um, the marketing for the movie was subpar. The movie itself was one of the more polarizing Bond movies at the time due to its darker and edgier Miami Vice-influenced plot. The Cold War was kind of sort of coming to a close in 1989, or at least uh, the height of it was kind of gone. So James Bond was kind of considered a relic. Also, a movie called Batman came out uh, that summer. Mm. You know, so we already had a guy running around with gadgets. So, yeah, uh, well, we've talked about on this podcast before. The summer of 1989 was a very busy summer. So, Mm -hmm. yes, yes. More on that in a few minutes. (laughs) I mean, that was the same summer as Batman, Ghostbusters 2. No, 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 don't steal all of Josh's. I'm sure he's got a couple of things for us. My toes are starting to hurt. They're bleeding now. Thanks. (laughs) My bad. So, but okay. So, um, but it felt like the end of an age because the Cold War was winding down. It was the last Bond movie to have any influence from director John Glenn, screenwriter Richard Malbin, title designer Maurice Bender. Like a lot of the the mainstays and even producer Albert R. Broccoli. This was the last Bob movie that this particular group of people were involved with. So, And there goes my production notes. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> um, and uh, because of that, there would not be a Bond movie released for six years, which is still right now the longest delay in franchise history. Uh, it was mostly due to litigation from 1990 to 1993 between co-owners on the sale of television and licensing rights. But uh, in the meantime of that gap, Dalton's contract had expired. So Pierce Brosnan was hired and the 17th movie was saved from development hell. That was called GoldenEye and the rest, as they say, is history. So I wondered why Dalton didn't come back for GoldenEye. Yeah, I thought well, it was, he was weird. Well, because he kind of got tired of waiting around and just quit. He was supposed to come back for a third one, at least. Um, there was a longstanding rumor that this was Timothy Dalton's last Bond film because of it was... It was financially disappointing, which it really wasn't. You know, overseas, it made a ton of money. And it wasn't mm-hmm. one of the highest grossing films in London that year or in England. So mm-hmm. Dalton was to star in a third James Bond film. This was going to be called Property of a Lady. Um, and it was going to start shooting in 1990. The plot was going to involve like nanites and some other kind of computer technology and some kind of uh, uh, so some stuff like that. Some of the 
plot from Property of a Lady was borrowed and used in either Die Another Day or some of the newer um, Daniel Craig Bond movies. Okay. But yeah, I don't know if it's going to be set in Scotland, Tokyo, and Hong Kong and all that. So yeah, he was supposed to come back for a third one called Property of a Lady, uh, but he didn't get to. And uh, it's weird to think, I wonder if they would have made Property of a Lady if it would have been successful with Brosnan or Dalton been Golden in GoldenEye, not Pierce Brosnan. I don't know. Uh, this is also the first James Bond film to not be titled after one of the books. Also, yes. Uh, and then the only other bit of trivia I've got before I move on is there was an interview during September of 1988. Timothy Dalton denied the media claims that his Bond was not allowed to have as much sex on screen because of the AIDS epidemic at the time. However, in a 2007 interview, he admitted, yeah, no, th- that was true, actually. Most like his character, James Bond, he's really bad at keeping secrets. Yeah. So but that's all I got for right now. I've got more as the movie unfolds tonight because actually there's there's a lot. In this film, I think it's a pretty cool James Bond film, and it's an interesting point in James Bond's history because it's that weird time between the Roger Moore movies and the Pierce Brosnan films. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, we'll talk about that as we watch the movie. Tom, do you have any more production notes, even though I stepped on all of them? Yes, and now it's going to be a very short production section. So, you're Josh, welcome, welcome, Josh. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> I do what I can. But welcome to. James Bond, License to Kill. Tagline, James Bond is out on his own and out for vengeance. Summary, a vengeful James Bond, played by Timothy Dalton, goes rogue to infiltrate and take down the organization of a drug lord who has murdered his friend's new wife and left him near death. The friend, not James Bond. It would be a very weird movie if he was like, you know, attached to like life support the whole film. Actually, they they did that in an Archer episode. So maybe it wouldn't be that weird after all. But James Bond. Yes. Was that that Terms of Enrampagement? (laughs) Yes. Yes. The the Archer episode. When he had breast cancer. Yes. So. Rampage, Lana. Rampage. They also they also also spoofed Magnum PI at the end of that episode too. It was fantastic. I love that episode. Yes, that was yeah. Early Archer was best Archer. Moving on, this movie is the sixteenth installment in the James Bond series. James Bond, for those who are just now arriving on Earth, is a British secret agent who spends his time telling everyone his name and uncovering global conspiracies. In the loudest ways possible. Um, these films have been adapted from the book series by Ian Fleming, although those adaptations have gotten looser as time has gone on. As noted by Nigel, this one is not named after any of the books. It's very loosely adapted from Live and Let Die, though, which is weird because there was already an adaptation of Live and Let Die earlier in the series called Live and Let Die. Was which, that a- Yeah, which the Live and Let Die film, I believe, borrowed from the of Her Majesty's Secret Service book, which is weird because there's already a movie called On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And Live and Let Die also borrowed from For Your Eyes Only. But there's also a movie called For Your Eyes Only, but this one also borrows from Your Eyes Only. So, <laughs> they didn't really so think- what you're saying, what you're saying 
is it's like an orgy of James Bond. Uh, pretty much. Borrowing. Just don't ever like if you see a James Bond film, don't ever read the book thinking it's a novelization of the movie unless it says a novelization of the movie, because the movie titles and what's going on in the books are completely different plots because they usually just use a title because it sounds cool. Yeah. Unlike Dune, they're pretty sure no one's ever going to read these books ever. Probably accurate. But as with all Bond films, there is a tried and true formula. And this movie sticks with it in terms of production. Uh, it's all make it action to make it sexy. And to that, they went with their tried and true crew. As Nigel noted, producers Broccoli's, which is an unfortunate name. Uh, Michael Wilson and Tom Pevsner. The director, John Glenn. Not the one that went to space, although he also directed Moonraker, so maybe technically he did. And writers Richard Maibaum and Michael Wilson, they've been doing Bond for decades at this point. Um, and as with all Bond films, you've got your mainstays and cliches. We have, for you Bond fans, at least two returning faces to the series. Nigel, Josh, do you want to... Guess who those returning faces are to the Bond franchise and what characters they played? Q and Timothy Dalton. Yeah, well, Timothy Dalton's coming back as Bond. Desmond Llewellyn comes back as Q. And I don't know the actor's name, but I know this because it was in my trivia. But uh, the actor that plays Felix Leiter in the movie is the same actor who played Felix Leiter in Live and Let Die. Good guess, Nigel. Nice. Yes, it, he'd actually, yeah. David Hedison is his name. 16-year gap between live and let die and what is ostensibly live and let die. But also uh, reprising his role as M um, is Robert Brown. He was M since Octopussy. And of course, Desmond Liu. How did you pronounce Q's name? Llewellyn. Llewellyn, uh, yeah, he'd been cued since Russia with Love, which in my mind, I think he was there in the beginning. It's weird that he didn't show up to like, which one is Russia with Love, the third or the fourth? That's the second one. That's the second one. That's the second one. I thought that was way later in the series, too. I'm learning some extra Bond trivia here. And of course, Timothy Dalton, this is his second one uh, in the tuxedo as James Bond. He was in The Living Daylights before this. Um, and unfortunately, as Nigel said, with the gap, he didn't come back for the third one, which is unfortunate because he looks like a Bond. Oh, also, um, Carolyn Bliss returned as Moneypenny. She was also in The Living Daylights. But we got some returning archetypes. As always in a Bond film, you have to have the boss, the, the main villain, who is played by Robert Davi, as Nigel noted, our connector, who plays Franz Sanchez. Uh, we've got the heavy played by Benicio Del Toro. The character is named Dario. You've got your Bond girl, that sexy girl that winds up with Bond at the end, played by Carrie Lowell. The character's name is Pan Bovier. And the femme fatale, character's named Lupe Lamora, played by Talisa Soto. And um, as a um, random bit, we have Wayne Newton playing Dr. Butcher. <laughs> I, actually, it's Professor Butcher, but I like the connection there. So in my head, it's Dr. Butcher. So connection to the fire pit universe confirmed. Well, it, our character's name was Professor Metzger. Which was translated to Butcher. Yes. <laughs> so I, let me have this, Josh. I'm trying to make us connect to the Bond universe. Well, if anything, I connected it harder. 
death connected harder. Josh, yes. But again, most of these actors or actresses weren't really faces with names that you could say, hey, it's this person playing Bond or this person playing the bad guy. It was just, you know, people that you could see this is the bad guy um, and without losing immersion in the film. Again, these things have a formula. They know how to make it work. And nothing about this film seems like it really ever strayed from that. But now that we know what went into making this film, Josh, what did this film make? That's What's the box office? Yes. Um, let's see. License to Kill. Like we said, it was released July 14th, 1989, and domestically. Um, has a runtime of two hours and 13 minutes. Had a domestic gross of $34.6 million. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to enjoy this. An international gross. Mm-hmm. of $121.5 million, 78% of its total gross in 1989. Yeah. I knew it made more money overseas than it did domestically. Yeah, much more. But mm-hmm. its opening weekend looks like my DVD collection that's 15 <laughs> years old. <laughs> Do you guys care to take a whack? And you're going to get this. If you don't, I'm going to be a little disappointed. On the number one movie on July 14th weekend in 1989, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Batman. You're both wrong. Oh, my God. Batman was on its fourth week of release, and it was at number two. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was on its eighth week of release. At number oh, that six. came out in May. I kept thinking Indiana came out in July. Uh, was it Ghostbusters 2? You doing this has just been revoked. <laughs> it was Lethal Weapon oh, 2. Oh, oh! As soon as he said, you said whacked beforehand and thought like, <laughs> was it a Goodfellas? Was, it wasn't a Godfather. Now, Lethal Weapon 2 was on its second week of release. At, premier, er, uh, at number one, it grossed $17 million. At number two on its fourth week, like I said, was Batman. At number three, also on its fourth week of release. Remember, this movie was released at the same time as Batman, but Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Was at number three, grossing $8.8 million. Mm-hmm. And at number four was tonight's movie, License to Kill, grossing $8.7 million. At number five was Peter Pan, uh, the 1989 re-release, pulled in $5.6 million. Ah. Disney milking that teat for all it's worth. And then the rest of my DVD collection. At number six was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. At number seven was Ghostbusters 2. Eight, Dead Poets Society. Nine, Weekend at Bernie's. And 11, The Karate Kid Part 3. 13, Filled of Dreams. And at 14, also premiering this weekend, was When Harry Met Sally. So I'll have what she's having. Was that movie that low? Wow. I thought Harry when it Harry met Sally. It premiered in 41 theaters. I'd have to probably oh. look into it, but I bet you it was one of those. It, it got a wide release later on. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's wide release went about four or on its fourth week. It eventually made it up to number four in the box office, but that's for another time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, this weekend at the box office looks like my DVD collection. You have a bizarre DVD collection, Josh, but not a bad one. I'm not going to complain about it. Seriously, like, we talked about this when we did Ghostbusters 2, but oh my God, this was this was the summer of fucking movies, you know? I yeah. actually have vivid memories of that this, this summer. That, that was the summer I got to see quite a few movies in the movie theater and because of this. Like, I remember we went to the drive-thru and we watched uh, Batman and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And then um, I saw Ghostbusters 2 at the drive-thru, and I don't remember what the other movie was that night. But yeah. so yeah, many yeah, movies that summer. Oh my God, 1989. We've touched on it once. We're touching on it again. Great year for movies. License to Kill mm-hmm. uh, came in at 37th highest grossing film of 1989. Just under Fletch Lives. 
But Ouch. right above dangerous liaisons. Ouch. Fletch lives? Did yep. better? So did. And at number 35 was the naked gun from the files of Police Squad. Okay, that I get. That That's a... That's a legitimately hilarious movie. So Major League came out that year too. The Abyss, Twins, Uncle Buck, dude. 1989. We could do an entire journey just on 1989 movies. 1999 is my DVD collection. <laughs> like I said, 1989 looks like my DVD collection. There's like probably five movies you've listed from 1989 that could be potential destination films. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. seriously, Weekend at Bernie's. I forgot that movie came out in 89. All of those films, you're talking about your guys' DVD collections. All of those were on my dad's, you know, record on VHS from HBO collection. So, oh, yeah. My God, yes. But, yeah. All right, that's all I've got for box office info. Um, Tom, what are you hoping to get out of this film? I'm hoping to actually watch the whole thing. I've seen only... Again, this was part of my dad's HBO, you know, recorded on VHS collection. Obviously, he did not let me watch it as a kid because I think this was a hard R. PG-13. PG-13. Is it really? Yeah. I don't remember it being pretty violent for its time. It's one of the more violent James Bond movies, but it's not rated R. No James Bond movie has been rated R. Okay. Which is interesting, considering how risque it was for the 60s and stuff. But then again, they didn't have a rating systems back then. I've gone off track. But the I have never seen this film with the exception of the car scene, which kid me, it blew his freaking mind. That The car in this movie was freaking astonishing. It was basically the Batmobile with a wait, wait. government budget behind it. Wait, which car? The the car that Bond drives in this one, the Aston Martin. It may be an Aston Martin. I can't remember if it's an Aston Martin. It should be an Aston Martin, right? They didn't. I thought it was always an Aston Martin. Yeah, but I don't think he, he doesn't have a gadgety car in this one. I remember I think he, this. I think you're getting it mixed up with the spy who loved me. Are you thinking about the car that goes underwater? No, no, no. This one's got skis and guns and maybe it's a different one. I don't know. I think you're maybe thinking of think... a different one because he doesn't have a gadgety car in this one. Because the whole premise of it is he, he leaves MI6. So he doesn't have MI6's backing throughout most of the movie. Oh, I thought maybe. Oh, well, shit. There now are I don't, 16 no... other ones that came out before this one. So it's a Timothy... it makes sense that you're probably going to... Um... Get some confused. It, you're probably right. It was a Timothy Dalton, so maybe I'm thinking View to a Kill. I don't know. Okay, so I have no idea what to expect from this film. I thought I had at least that to look forward to, but I was clearly wrong. So I've heard good things about this movie. I, again, I know a little bit about Bond trivia, and I know that they had been trying to make a darker, edgier, air quotes, more modern Bond um, since the... Um, uh, Lazenby Bond. Uh, what movie was Lazenby in, Nigel? On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, ever since that one, they've been trying to do an edgy with the times Bond. It never quite worked, and this was their 80s attempt at it, or late 80s, early 90s attempt. So, of course, darker, edgier, war on drugs, that era of time frame. You know, a little more Rambo in your James Bond, if you will. 
which is still kind of bled into a lot of modern Bond. Modern Bond still kind of more action heavy and a little less suave than the older Bonds, comparatively speaking. Maybe, because again, I have not yet seen this Bond. So I'm curious to see what Timothy Dalton Bond is like. I'm expecting this is going to be a fun romp. It's going to be a fun James Bond film. Maybe not as corny, tongue-in-cheek as, say, earlier Bonds, Sean Connery or... Roger Moore. Thank you, Roger Moore. I mean, I definitely am not expecting to see Timothy Dalton dress as a clown. And again, this is going to be Bond on a rampage. I'm also expecting a lot of Archer jokes through the watch section from all of us here. Will it be good? Probably not. With the exception of the late, the more recent ones, they're all kind of cornball. But I've been wrong before on that, so yeah, yeah, I'm expecting a good time, and and I can't complain about Timothy Dalton. What about you, Josh? Well, um, all honesty, as much as I air quotes like Bond, I haven't seen a lot of the movies. I've seen Doctor No. I've seen like the first ten minutes of From Russia with Love. I've seen Casino Royale. I've seen. Uh, was it Quantum of Solace? And then I think I fell asleep during Skyfall and I never finished it. Same thing with Spectre. And I have no desire to see the next, this one coming up. But um, obviously my love of Bond came out in 1995, 1996 with a little known game called Goldeneye. <laughs> For me, the game came before the movies. I played the shit out of that game. It was like one of the very first games I paid for with my own money. And I remember like my dad had rented the movie before and he watched it. And I kind of I don't remember sitting down and watching it with him. But I remember after playing the game, I went back and I got the movie and I watched the movie and I was just like enamored by it. Because you got to remember 1996 when this game came out, Mm -hmm. movies and games, there would be game components to a movie, but they would look nothing alike because the N64 was like one of the first. 3d game system so i was i wouldn't watch it it was awesome being able to compare the game with the movie but that's goldeneye so of the pierce brosnan ones i think he came out with what three or four mm-hmm. i only watched the first two yeah goldeneye and then what was the other one the pierce brosnan ones were goldeneye tomorrow never dies the world is not enough and die another day yeah, yeah i think i saw all but the one with halle berry now i like bond i do like the movies i love dr no uh mostly that one scene where the lady's like in a bath and then bond comes and sits down and she's like, can you get me something to wear? And he gives her a pair of high heels. That was classic bond right there. But I honestly have no idea what to expect with this one. Cause my introduction with bond came in the film after this one. Mm-hmm. And I, the one I watched that came before this one was the first one. So there was a 17 movie gap between my introduction to it and this movie, mm-hmm. or 15 intro- movie gap. And obviously Six years is a big time frame for movies. Oh, yes. So, really, if I just come out of this movie enjoying it, I'll be happy. So, yeah, I don't really have any major expectations out of this one. I'm just expecting a Bond film as much as I can out of the 80s. I mean, it is an 80s movie, so it's going to be good. I know that much. You say that. And we just. And the last time I, saw, I said that with confidence was Tango and Cash. And we know how well that went. I thought that was. That, you know, okay, yeah, you got me there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Nigel, what about you? I know you've seen this one, right? Oh, hundreds of times. I'm a huge James Bond fan. There's really only a couple of James Bond movies I absolutely do not like. This is not one of them. 
I think the two Timothy Dalton ones are incredibly underrated. They tend to get forgotten. People seem to just kind of, when their mindset goes to James Bond, they think of the wacky Roger Moore movies, and then they go into the more serious Pierce Brosnan films. But by serious, really, honestly, out of the Brosnan ones, Goldeneye is really the only one that's really grounded in reality. And then Tomorrow Never Dies gets a little wackier. World is Not Enough gets even more wackier. And Die Another Day is just, well, there's a reason why Daniel Craig is Bond now. But the Brosnan films, like, I love Living Daylights. But this one, this is just like, I don't know, is this like a really good film? And I'm I'm kind of in looking forward to watching it with you guys, because if you guys haven't seen this one yet, it, it has some of the cornier James Bond tropes that the the movies are known for. But it's it's definitely not like a Roger Moore wacky James Bond movie. It's got, hell, it's got one of my favorite kills Bond ever does in a film ever. Like, Don't spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it, but it's like one of the like, well, you guys have seen Dr. No, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I love Dr. No. It's been no. a few years, but yeah. Okay, well, it. Dr. No was when they were still kind of establishing the character. And in Dr. No, they emphasized that that James Bond is a cold-blooded killer. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a scene in Dr. No where he's interrogating someone and he goes to shoot Bond and his gun just clicks. And Bond says, that's a Smith & Wesson and you had your six. And he shoots him dead without, you know, mm-hmm. like he, he kills an unarmed man. Just real cold. Well, this one has a death scene very similar to that, where it's like Bond's cold as fuck. So I'm not going to spoil it any more than that, but you'll hear me squee when we get to it. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it's a, like I said, I, I like this one. I like the uh, Bond rampage. I can't wait to make a lot of Archer jokes while watching this film tonight. Because <laughs> yes. it really is terms of in rampagement. And like I said, uh, Timothy Dalton Bond. Like I said, he's he made two of the best Bond movies, and I'm I'm both sad that he didn't get to make a third one, but then happy we got Goldeneye because I Goldeneye's one I want to get to someday. So yes. oh, dude, yeah, shit, I would say that's a destination worthy film. Yeah, Goldeneye yeah. is really good, but honestly, I think Goldeneye would have worked with Timothy Dalton as Bond too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think it would have. I I I can't say that. Uh, with any, like, I'll be able to answer better in my final thoughts, but yeah, I can well, probably I can see that because I know Timothy Dalton is an actor, and I know um, I'm. Are you done with your thoughts? Well, are we on to merge thoughts yet? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. I was just gonna say a little a little trivia was that the they originally wanted Pierce Brosnan. They actually had casted him and everything, and then the worst thing that could possibly happen to him happened, and that Remington Steel got picked up for a second season, and therefore he couldn't film Bond. So they had to go with like their second choice, which was Timothy Dalton. And they've been trying to get Roger Moore out of doing James Bond films since Moonraker, mostly because he was getting old. Yeah. How many did he do? What's that? How many Bond films did Moore do? Uh, he's still, I think he still has the record. I think he did six or seven. Yeah, he did Live and Let Die, The Spy That Loved Me, For Your Eyes Only, Moonraker, Man with a Golden Gun, Octopussy, and The View to a Kill. So yeah, he did seven. And they've been trying to get him out of the role. In fact, they had cast James Brolin to be Bond in Octopussy. And there's even screen tests and screen footage of Brolin as Bond. But then they found out that the other production company was making um, Never Say Never Again with uh, Sean Connery coming back as James Bond. So they're like, well, shit, we can't have an unknown actor being James Bond. So they paid Roger Moore a shit ton of money to come back and do Octopussy. But that ended up being a big hit. So they brought him back to do A View to a Kill, although by this time he's like 90 years old. And he's starring opposite women that are like half his age. And it just really turned audiences off like gross. Mm -hmm. Like now he's just a dirty old man. So they brought in Timothy Dalton because he was younger. He was suave. And then like they wanted his movies to be more grounded. No more, no more of the wacky submarine cars are going into space or, 
crazy laser gun fights or anything like that. So I'm looking forward to watching this one because this is one of the Bond movies that's kind of more grounded in some sense of reality, at least as realistic as you can get. So now we can go on to merge thoughts. So t- tell me, did you see the Barry Nelson Bond? Just curious. Is that the one in the 60s, a Casino Royale movie? or Oh, he's the, the first. No, the first actor the, to play Bond. No, I don't think the I've first ever seen that one. American actor to play Bond. Oh, the, wait. When was this? Yeah, the first uh, on-screen James Bond was played by an American named Barry Nelson. Barry Nelson. Do you know the? Do you remember the name of it? I don't know, but I think it was a. Uh, it was on TV. I think it was a TV one. It wasn't a movie, but he was the first actor to portray James Bond. Uh, let me IMDb it. IMDb this because I want to say I heard about this, but oh no! Well, I mentioned never. it before on a previous episode. That's probably and, where uh, I've I didn't heard know. Of his, it. I didn't have his name at the time, but yeah, he was the first actor to play James Bond on screen. Barry Nelson. Yep. Huh, I have to look this up. No, I've never heard of this. I know they didn't. I know a Sean the Connery. The 1954 was... adaption of Casino Royale. Yeah, it preceded Sean Connery by eight years. Yeah, and I, I supposed knew to they... be a pilot for a James Bond TV show. Oh, wow, Josh, coming up with the obscure trivia. No, yeah, I, I knew they. Yeah, I knew they wanted someone else to play Bond instead of Connery. I think it was um, not Rock Hudson, but I can't remember the other guy. Maybe Gary Cooper, but they, I don't know why they went with Connery. But it was the best choice, all in all. Let's be honest with ourselves. It worked out in the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, coming. I forget where I heard. It. I think I heard it on another podcast. It couldn't have been anyone other. Than, it couldn't have been anyone other than Connery. Like you watch that opening scene from Doctor No. Yeah, and he just the camera just scrolls up to him, and then you know he's like, "What was your name again?" And the camera's just slowly scrolling up, and he's lighting that cigarette, and he goes, "Bond, James Bond." Bam! Right then and there, a star is born, a legend is made. It's like, holy mm. shit! Although, although in ter- terms of talking about Bonds, an actor who I think in hindsight maybe they should have cast him seriously as B- James Bond. Peter Sellers in the 1964 Casino Royale. I mean, it was a comedy Bond, but he played Bond seriously, and he was really good at it. He was suave. He was sexy. He was a gentleman Bond. I I think he was the perfect marriage between what you would consider like not Timothy Dalton, because I haven't seen Timothy Dalton yet, but Pierce Brosnan and the Sean Connery Bond. And I hope we watch that movie sometime because that's bananas. Seriously, because he was a comedy character actor, they never would have considered him to be serious Bond, but he took it seriously. And it's a shame they never did go back to him because he could have been a great one. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one. But honestly, I'm looking forward to watching this film. It's one of those things. It's like I always talk about how I typically whenever I watch a movie, I only half watch it. Mm -hmm. You know, ADD and all that. If you asked me straight up, was Skyfall a good Bond film? I will tell you I didn't like it. For the same reason I said I didn't like Blade Runner because I wasn't paying attention to it when I watched it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, you talk to anybody and they're like, oh, Skyfall was amazing. Yeah, I'll be and... honest. I did not like Skyfall when I first saw it in the theater. And then I watched it a couple more times after it came out. And uh, I ended up really liking it. I think it's Daniel Craig's second best. But I love the deconstruction of the James Bond mythos in that movie. I love how the, the yeah. whole movie is James Bond failing. 
at mm-hmm. everything. And like I don't I remember certain parts of it, but I remember not paying attention to it. Casino Royale was the exact opposite. I saw that one in theaters and I was engrossed with that movie the entire time. I love Casino Royale. I go back through and watch that one all the time. Mm-hmm. And obviously Goldeneye. Love Goldeneye. But not, the other ones I was just kind of met with. But I'm I'm honestly I'm really looking forward to this one tonight because typically when Dan likes a movie, there's a good chance I'm gonna like the movie. And if Dan loves this one, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna like it too. Yeah. This is this is in my this is in my top five. This is this is number five in in my top five favorite James Bond films. And that's obviously accepting true grit. So well, well, can't win them all. Yeah. <laughs> now, what would you say is your top five Bond films? I, I, I mean, you may have mentioned it already, Nigel, but I'm curious. Number one is Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. Number two is Casino Royale. Uh, mm-hmm. Number three is uh, From Russia with Love. Okay. Uh, number four is uh, actually no. This one is number four. License to Kill is number four, and number five is Skyfall. Wow, that's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good list there. I think See, I would I would rank my top five, but it would be the top five James Bond films I've seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like honor, honorable mention probably goes to Roger Moore's um, "For Your Eyes Only," because that one is like probably the best Roger Moore one because that one's more like grounded and it's mm-hmm. not as gadget heavy. But James Bond kicks that dude's car over the cliff. Like, oh, my God. Um, I think for me, one of my favorite Bond films has to be Honor Majesty's Secret Service with Lazenby because they were trying to do a more grounded Bond a little bit. Uh, P- also, Peter Salas as um, Blofeld was an interesting I thought, choice. I thought Telly, Sav- Telly Savalas is, is Blofeld in that one. Oh, Telly Savalas. Who did I say? I, uh, Peter Salas or something like that. And I'm like, no, Telly Savalas was Blofeld in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. I See, I can't I, watch that one. Every time I, every time he comes on the screen as Blofeld, I'm like, who loves you, baby? That's <laughs> the line I was trying to remember. I keep, yeah. thinking, I keep yeah. every time he comes on the screen, I just keep saying it. And I'm like, damn it. Yeah. Again, a weird choice. Um, second was Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, up until I finished watching the film. And then there was this weird chase with, um, a lunar car and i was like okay you lost me never mind i was cool with this because it was all like oh he's trying to uncover a diamond smuggling ring this is nice and grounded this is out he's not doing going after specter and doing that weird stuff oh now he's going after specter it's a specter it was specter all along and i can't remember the name of the movie but it was the one that had jaws in it the second time around um I can't remember the name. I just like Jaws is in Moonraker and the spy who loved me. The spy who loved me then. Cause it was the second one. Cause he met the chick with braces and it was love at first glint. That's Moonraker. <laughs> well, that was that Moonraker. Yes, sir. Dude, Tom it, needs to like refresh his bond. Well, I was a kid at the time, so I can it's be forgiven. Okay. We, don't, we don't fault you for that. We just fault you. I'm, I'm used to being faulted. <laughs> Um, like I said, of the ones that I've seen, like I loved Dr. No when I watched it. That's one of the ones where it's like, I watched it home, obviously, because I couldn't watch it in, you know, with theatrical release, Mm -hmm. um, came out like 30 years before I was born, 20 years before I was born. But, um, I don't know. I want to say Goldeneye by default, because obviously it was my first, but at the same time, I thoroughly enjoyed Casino Royale. Mm -hmm. That's a really good one. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if I want to say it's Casino Royale or Goldeneye. Like I want to say Goldeneye out of pure nostalgia, but I think I think I'm going to go with Casino Royale. And then number 2 is Goldeneye. 
Um, okay. But then I'd say my number three would have to be Dr. No. Mm-hmm. Again, there's a lot of gaps. I haven't seen all of them yet. I had the intention to do it, and I was going to watch a Bond film a day, and I made it after Dr. No, and then I didn't go any farther. Because I have like, <laughs> I have the, I have most of them, at least up through the Dalton Bonds, but I haven't watched any of them, except for Dr. No. So, but yeah, I'm that's... Surprised you, I'm surprised you like Dr. No. It's definitely slower than it is it is yeah that's also really weird like we talk about the trope early installment weirdness dr no has all of that because like there's no theme song mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. just the james bond theme with the opening credits and then it goes into like three blind mice it's really weird um yeah it, but it's a good movie mm-hmm. like, yeah like i think it was one of those things it's like i was familiar with bond but not an intimate familiarity yeah like like I just got a hand job in high school. That's all I knew. Oh, and, um, he can't. He just can't go like ten minutes without just like <laughs> so- take a drink. <laughs> but uh, no, so it's like I didn't. I was. I didn't know what to expect with that one. But in the end, I did enjoy that one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think now you have not seen um, Goldfinger, right? No. Uh, that's, that's another interesting one. Uh, Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Goldfinger is the one that starts all the Bond tropes. Yes. Because Goldfinger's got the Bond gets captured and spends like a quarter of the movie in the the bad guy's hideout, hanging out with the bad guy and learning his plan. And so that's the one that Austin Powers parodied. Kind of, sort of. And then Odd Job is the head, big head, the dragon, the henchman that, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's this ostentatious plot that probably could never have worked ever. Yeah. Plus Bond having Bond having the cheesy one liners after he's killed somebody. Yes. It's like, you know, after he, yeah, after he's golden Goldfinger gets sucked out of the airplane window and then he goes back up to the cockpit and pussy galore. It's like, where's Goldfinger? And he goes, he had to catch a flight (laughs) or something like that. I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. Yes. All of this is amazing. Although if I'm going to add some quick amendments to my list, yeah, I forgot GoldenEye because, yeah. I mean, we were 90s kids. Of course, GoldenEye's going to be on there. And the 1960s Casino Royale, even though it was a comedy, it's just such a bizarre mess of a comedy that I can't help but not love it. It's, it's Or I can't help but love it. It's fantastic. It's It's got Orson Welles as Le Chief, and he knows exactly what movie he's in, and he leans into it so hard. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find a way for us to get to that one. But yeah, so that's all I got to say. Cool. So those are uh, our expectations for this film. Um, do we want to hear about uh, other people's expectations for this film? Tom, play the music. To another undercover episode of the Fire Pit, I am, as always, your interspersonal host, editor, and British secret agent, Tom. Uh, waiter, dry martini, shaken, not stirred. <coughs> oh my god, that's revolting! <coughs> Are you sure this is an olive flavored window cleaner? Oh, oh, just give me a PBR and a brill pad to scour the taste from my tongue. But thank you for shaking things up with us here at the Fire Pit. The Marshmallow Man March into the Afterlife is reaching its turning point, which means it's going to take more than bow tie cameras and laser watches to get us to Ghostbusters Afterlife. 
But when you have a license to kill and the backing of Her Majesty's Secret Service, it's safe to say we are neither shaken nor stirred. And it's that time of year again! No, I'm not just talking about when thoughts turn to tinsel. I'm talking about the end of this, our second season. And as this season's end is coming right around the holidays, we're probably going to be taking a short hiatus. You know, carve the snowman, build the presents, wrap the family, visit the turkey, all the things that the season brings and expects. Sorry for the interruption. Future Tom here with a quick update. Okay, so to clarify the timeline, we will be taking a brief hiatus on the last week of December. Uh, that will be 28 December for you people who are getting new calendars for Christmas. Similarly, with Thanksgiving coming up this weekend, along with some other non-podcast plans coming down the line, we're going to be taking a brief hiatus next week as well, right after this Thanksgiving week. Uh, we've been doing this for well over a year without any plan breaks, so um, we discussed again and we felt like a, a good week or two uh, for brain break is well in order. Uh, we should be finishing up this season starting on the 7th of December and through to the 21st, then gearing on up to start season 3 on the 4th of January. Making use of that calendar already, I see. But thank you all for your patience as we go forward. Again, it's a holiday season. It's a whole hoop-de-doo and a la-dee-daw. So... Hopefully, you can make use of the back catalog, listen to some past episodes, or just spend some time with family. Well, that's all I've got from the future. I give you back to the present. Tom, take it away. But after we return, though, we'll be having our post-season Q&A and retrospective episodes. We did this at the end of last season, and we had a blast doing it, so we're bringing it back for this one. So if you have any questions about this or last season, or about the coming third season, whether they're specific questions about certain episodes, broad questions about the process, other questions say about our favorite episodes, movies we liked, movies we wished we'd watched, you still have until about, let's say, few more weeks to get them to us. I'd say about three more weeks. So you can either post your queries to us on Discord or comment online, or you can email them directly to us at curtaincalledentertainmentinc at gmail.com. Whatever way you want to, send your questions on over. And if we can fit them in, depending on how many we get, we barely made it last time. We had to squeeze a few in but we made it but like i said if we can do it we will get to your question we will answer it and hopefully you have fun listening to us answer your questions so we're looking forward to it hopefully you are too and speaking of looking forward to things he says naturally segueing let's see how the team is looking forward to their first assignment for the british government all right dan Keep it coming. You're doing great, bud. Keep it on back. Come on. What the hell happened? God damn it, Tom, this is your fault. Well, 
tell Dad to not drop the rocket engine in where I'm installing the buzz saws. Don't install the buzz saws where I'm going to be putting the invisibility camouflage, Tom. Oh my God, will you two stop acting like children? And why do you keep removing the submarine feature? We still need something in case of the underwater base scenario. Do you know how big that's going to make this car. It already has machine guns. Name me one problem that machine guns can't take care of. I don't know. Maybe they'll need something to get rid of the ninjas. Maybe something like, oh, I don't know, an ejection seat. Oh God, not with the ninjas again. The doors have locks. The hoods have tasers. And we don't need a goddamn ejection seat. Follow the designs. Oh, for fuck's sake. Will you stop sitting on your ass just because Q thinks we're your assistants doesn't mean we are. Fine, I'll reinstall the ejection seat, but we're getting rid of the damn battering ram. Fine! Just gonna install it right back anyways. What was that? You heard me. No, I, I now, really- I get the clipboard. Hey! So we got to get rid of the bulletproofing because it made things too heavy? No, that stays. Don't screw with my original designs. Says the guy without the clipboard. <laughs> we're keeping the flamethrowers. Yes! Worth it! <laughs> Take that bulletproofing! What good have you ever done, anyone? <laughs> now, do we want to install the reinflating tires or the anti astronaut hubcap lasers or the. Tom, why are there skis? For the snow? Oh my god, not in the design. Tom, why do you keep There's fucking no, with my design? Need, like, seriously, it doesn't need skis, ninjas. it's got wheels. We're overthinking this. Maybe they just want us to install things that can handle one or two of these scenarios. Yeah, sure, that's a great idea, yeah. We'll just happen to pick the one thing that they'll need when they encounter... Squadron of all female stunt pilots. Okay, let's just face it. There's no way we can possibly prepare for any of these contingencies. One or two of them, maybe but they can't expect us to build a car that does everything. Well, they do. Oh man. I'm sad now. Well, once more run to the breach, dear friends. Queen and country, kippers and beef, bangers and mash, and oh God. <sighs> Remove the caltrops and the oil slick. I don't think many people are gonna be following them anyways. You know, I'm sure those parts weren't all that important anyways. You guys will be fine. But if you have something important that you want to get out there, or if you have an important question that you need to ask us in private, or if you know someone who's incredibly important whom everyone else should know about, then feel free to email us at curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. That's curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. Just be sure to put fire pit in the subject line, as well as why you're emailing us, whether it's to recommend some movies, have us say a special message on our podcast for someone special, commission an ad, or whatever else you may need and or want from us, and send it our way. From there, we'll read it, give it a snazzy three-digit numerical code name, send it deep undercover on a secret mission for the British government, and never respond. Might have helped if we'd figured out a way to get in touch with it before we send it on a mission. That's the thing about secret intelligence they never tell you. It's rarely secret, and it's not very intelligent. But that email again is curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. 
capital C, capital C, capital E, capital I, at gmail.com. Damn! They found me out! But how? I only told them my name, secret agent identity code, where I'm staying, the name of my first pet, and the last four digits of my social security number. I'm clearly dealing with masterminds. I'm going to use my wits and charm to get out of this situation. I'll let you get back to the episode. Thank you all for listening, and as always, good luck. My martini! This tux was a rental! Ugh. And now to check on the team to see how they're enjoying their movie. Oh, 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 Tim, wait, Timothy Dalton was in Flash Gordon, wasn't he? Yes. He was. That would and make him a what, Tom, Tom? Yeah, Tom, what's Timothy Dalton tonight? James Bond. But in relation to the podcast, how many times have we seen him? Um, I think this will be like maybe our third. I think um, maybe. Say the line, Tom. I mean, Say at least line, two. Tom. Okay, we've definitely seen him two times. So he would definitely be a repeat. Say the line, Tom. He's a repeat. Say the line, Tom. He's a repeat. Tom, say the line. He's a two Pete. Yeah, all right. Ah, <laughs> oh, and I was afraid I was going to come up to Columbus and hit you with the screwdriver. <laughs> I hate this catchphrase. Seriously, this movie steals so much from Metal Gear Solid and Dark Knight Rises. I'm pretty sure it didn't, and it was the other way around. Totally stole from those two. I hate totally both stole. of you. <laughs> That's a custom. You see, the bride always gets to kiss her best mate. Is he making out with the bride? He's James Bond. Honestly, I'd let him. Yeah, James Bond's at my wedding. It's like, and he's not sleeping with my wife? Something's wrong. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to disturb you guys. Someone's banging my wife on her wedding night, and it's not going to be me. Okay? Miss Kennedy, would you get me a medium dry vodka martini? What a Shaken, rest- not stirred. Oh, God, this is disgusting. Who drinks this shaken? <laughs> That's why uh, some bonds are. He, he makes a point to say vodka martini shaken, not stirred. Because if you drink a gin martini shaken, it is fucking disgusting. Well, if it's gin, it's a Gibson. No, real martinis are made with gin. I thought gin was the Gibson, and vodka was the martini. I'm sorry, I forgot. I wasn't a bartender for ten years. Yeah, yeah, Dan, <laughs> stay in your lane. <laughs> I want a deep six. I made a deal with this guy. I don't like it. He can finger me. I spent uh, well, four just, well, well, Okay, do you want to deep six him or finger him? Because those are two way different things, bud. I mean, it's Florida. Why not both? Sir, we're having two different conversations, aren't we? Yes. And the stripper keeps on dancing. That's a good stripper right there, let me tell you. Uh, something tells me this is not her first bar fight. No, no. Something tells me that this is just Tuesday for her. <laughs> she does live in Florida. Yeah, so it's Tuesday through Thursday. <laughs> Effective immediately. Your license to kill is revoked. Hey, he said the line. Rampage! Now a sniper scene? Somebody needs to call Hideo Kojima. Tell him he totally ripped off his game. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh my God, that's Shang Tsung. Is that Kirigiro Yuki? Yes. Oh my God. All the connectors. Jesus. I'll be damned if I'll help him. 
Don't judge him too harshly, my dear. Field operatives must often use every means at their disposal to achieve their objectives. Bullshit! <sighs> Q's like, I know, I know. I love him too. <laughs> Look at all the bush beard lamps. Tell me you're in Florida without telling me you're in Florida. <laughs> Out of the grinder and into the fire. How many OSHA violations is this, by the way? No, there is no OSHA in South America. What are you talking about? It's surrounded by OSHA. It's got the Atlantic OSHA and the Pacific OSHA. Hey <laughs> Tom, that's the Gulf of Mexico. God. Are they going to have an elevator fight scene or a freight elevator gunfight now? Come on, they're totally stealing this from Metal Gear Solid. Oh, I'm going to go get a drink. Make it a double. Shaken, not stirred. Well, I'd make it a gimlet, but I don't have any gin. Gibson. Just put an olive in it. <laughs> I didn't totally catch that entire conversation. <laughs> I think you and El Presidente will make a perfect couple. It was the kiddie pool. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Both legs are broken. He has a severe concussion. Just cuts to credits <laughs> right after that. This... Oh my god, I heard this song all the time back in the day. That's because it was later re-recorded by Celine Dion, and it ended up becoming one of her first big hits. Ah. Yeah, this version was a modest hit, but Celine Dion's version was like a huge like top ten. Well, let's just face it. Anything Celine Dion touches just turns to pure gold. Well, 90s Celine Dion, yes. Don't you besmirch Celine. I will crawl through this mic and strangle you, my friend. And this is where we end the watch session. <laughs> and now, back to the episode. Well, 007s, or double O's, we've, we've again knocked out yet another successful mission, a roaring rampage of a Bond film. Mostly. Kind of. Maybe. Dan, what did you think? Okay, watching this with a critical eye, I still like the movie. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a Bond movie, so I'm not expecting Shakespeare when I go watch it. But I can see why in a summer of Batman and Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones, this one kind of underperformed. Right. Just saying, like I said, this I still like watching this movie. I still get enjoyment out of it. I, I like some of the beats to it. Um. I used to think this was Timothy Dalton's best Bond movie, but now I'm definitely thinking that's more of nostalgia because this was one of the first Bond films I got to actually see mm -hmm. um, when it was new. Like, I, I still remember when this movie was brand new. So I will say The Living Daylights is still his best one, but this one is still pretty good. It's a good Bond film compared to like some of the more bottom of the barrel Bond films, but it, it underperformed and I can definitely see why they rebooted with Goldeneye a few years later. So that being said, um... I don't know. I don't know if I'd give it a number, maybe seven out of 10, six out of 10, seven, if I'm being generous, but I can see why this movie underperformed. It just wasn't their best effort as far as Bond films go. Like it ticks a lot of the boxes for Bond movies, but it's just, it's missing just something. And I think during the watch section, Tom, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like the villain's an evil guy. He's a very evil, evil dude, but he wouldn't even be on Bond's radar if he hadn't like seriously maimed Bond's best friend. So it's like Bond's usually dealing with uh, guys who want to blow up the world through nuclear bombs or chemical weapons or flooding the earth or doing whatever or, or 
blowing up Silicon Valley with earthquakes or whatever. Like he's usually dealing with those kinds of plots. I want to irradiate all the gold in the world. And now he's dealing with this Colombian drug lord. And like I said, this movie's I like it. I still enjoy watching it. Um, but I can definitely see why that summer of 89, this movie, it made a shit ton of money in England. It did because he's Bond. And that's like Batman movies here. Batman movies always make money here. But um, I can see why in that summer, this one definitely was like, I've only got money to see Batman, Ghostbusters or Indiana Jones or GoldenEye or I mean, or uh, James Bond. What am I going to go watch? Not James Bond. So yeah, they, they misspelled the title. I mean, come on. Why would you want to go see a movie? That exactly. Like the glaring, right. the glaring yeah. typo on the on the posters. Just so much to like oh, Hank, like Hanky, like yeah. Hanky to drive. British fans. Don't at me at Josh. He made the joke. But um, I'm kind of rambling at this point. So, Josh, what are your final thoughts on this film? Well, um, I have got to say, out of all the Bond films I've seen, um, this is definitely the lowest one. So five. Okay. Five out of five. Okay. No, what are, What are the other like, What are the other four that you've seen? Well, um, I think I went over this a little bit in expectations, but I think I've seen Goldeneye, Doctor No, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Slept Through Skyfall. Started Spectre. I think I've seen Tomorrow Never Dies. See, now that I'm adding it up, I've, I've got a lot more. But this is my least favorite Bond film. Out of, even compared to Quantum? I don't remember Quantum. <laughs> but I... Okay, like, well, I mean... Um, it's in a quantum state. Yeah. Let, let me put it like this. This film was fun. Like, it's not Tango and Cash Fun. But it's not... I can't wait to watch this movie again. It was just campy enough to be enjoyable. But at the same time, it was just out there enough to be, eh. Yeah. I don't know. It was it was a fun movie, but I agree with you, Dan. I can see why this movie didn't do very well in the box office, and I can see why they took a break from Bond for a while after this movie. Granted, I thought Timothy Dalton did a good job. I thought the story was really low-key. Um, sometimes I like the lower-end stories where it's not like Bond has to stop a space laser that's going to hollow out the Earth or some shit. Yeah. So I, I liked the lower-end thing, but I do like what Tom said about it being this guy wouldn't even be on Bond's radar. If I get it, if I gave it a thumbs up, thumbs down, I'd give it a thumbs up, but I'd give this like a solid C-. minus. Yeah, that could, that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. But uh, yeah, I don't really have much to say more on it. Like I said, I did enjoy it. Um, but I think I liked other Bond films a lot better. What about you, Thompson? It sucked. If I'm going to be blunt about it, I, I want to give it a little kind of leeway because it is one Bond and Bonds are notoriously kind of Bond films. And two, it is Timothy Dalton. And I love Timothy Dalton. He's charming in everything I've seen him in. Even Mrs. Doubtfire. I was rooting for him over uh, Robin Williams a little bit. That's Pierce good. Brosnan. I'm editing that out. You really got them confused? <laughs> They're both James Bond. Shut up. God, I am. Timothy Dalton did great in The Rock, though, with Nick Cage. <laughs> Moving on. But no, this movie just didn't do it. I get it. They were trying to get away from the goofy Roger Moore Bond, but they wound up overcorrecting and made it. Bland. Nothing was impressive about this film. The the boss was uh, just he came off as your standard TV drama villain. Nothing, you know, outlandish, nothing memorable, nothing even notorious. He was just basic. He, uh, 
Benicio del Toro. I mean, he was supposed to be the dragon, but it didn't even come off as an aggravation to Bond on a bad day. It's like if he wasn't tied up like he was, Bond would have absolutely destroyed him without even rumpling his suit. The stunts were okay. I think a lot of those stunts were more impressive when they were when they were done during the Roger Moore days, like the truck on two wheels. I think that's been done a couple times. But then again, I think we're spoiled by some of the more outlandish stunts that they do anymore since the 80s and 90s and the 2000s. So I'll give it a pass. It probably was pretty decent for its time. I think a lot of it, too, is I was expecting a lot more from this film, considering it was a, it was a rated R film, right? No, PG-13. No. Okay, PG-13. No, no, no Bond film's ever been rated R. Even with the meat grinder scene. That was a lot. It wasn't. Uh, no, that was. They didn't show enough graphic gore. It just showed splatterings of blood underneath it. That was nowhere near. Yeah, no. That's no why actual it was identifiable. Yeah, no identifiable body parts. If you'd have seen like hands and feet popping out of there, then they probably would have been rated R. But because it was just like gore, the movie industry ratings are weird. But yeah, they had a dude's head swell up and pop like a balloon. But PG thirteen. Wow, the 90s and 80s were a time to be alive. But going back to the topic, just didn't impress me at all. The pacing was by the book for a Bond film. Nothing really made sense, even for a Bond film. I haven't seen that many, but this I would put down as just bland. That's how I could summarize it. Kind of a waste of time. See, I think this movie would be worse if it wasn't Bond. It, it didn't take itself super serious. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that it, it's those movies that try to be super serious while also being a comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like, uh, like maybe more like Miami Vice-ish. Well, the villain definitely felt like a seasonal villain for Miami Vice instead of a James Bond villain. Yeah. But yeah. It felt very much like um, CSI Miami. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that level of campy. It's like, we're going to take ourselves so serious that we're a parody of ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I said, I didn't think it was the best Bond film I've seen. That's for sure. There's definitely better Bond films. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. But there's a lot worse, too. Uh, see, I don't have a good a catalog as you guys, but... Oh, we, make, we should make you watch Moonraker sometime. My only experience with Moonraker is the guns on uh, the game Goldeneye. And then you know the only good part about it. <laughs> Seriously, 90% of my Bond knowledge comes from that video game. Same. Odd Job is the worst Bond villain because he's short. But Jaws is the best one because he's tall and easy to shoot. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, I'm not disappointed. I'm just like, oh, what's the term you like to use? I'm cardboard about this film. It's it's a beige film. Yeah, I would say beige is a good good way to describe it. Just, and, uh, I can't For really... a food metaphor, it's Chinese food. Oh, no, see, I like Chinese food, even bland Chinese food is still pretty good because it's really yeah but it's like bland. it's good when you're watching it but then you're hungry later it's just it wasn't very filling or or golden corral golden corral because it's like there's a lot of stuff in this and you're gonna get full you're not gonna finish everything because it's so bland and tasteless and then you're gonna be like why did I pay twenty dollars for this yeah, shit? See, I, I, like I said I don't know if it's that bland of a movie like I said I know the James Bond movies by heart so this one to me is not nearly as bad as like Two movies before it, they made um, A View to a Kill, which is fucking awful. It's just old man Roger Moore being an old man. He's older than Q in that movie. Christ. At least, at least he looks like it. And it's just like, 
No, you know, and then Josh doesn't remember it, but this one is not worse than Quantum of Solace. I'm sorry, Quantum of Solace is not that great of a film. No, no, no. And this is definitely better than, um, say, um, Die Another Day. It's better than Die Another Day, and it's better than Moonraker, and I think it's better than um, The Man with the Golden Gun. It's better than the last couple of Connery Bond movies where he was just kind of like phoning it in because he was getting paid. And he was making it painfully clear he didn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's better than some of those, but as far as like from the, in the overall scheme of things with bond films goes, it's just a middle of the road bond film. Mm-hmm. But then when the best bond films are like really good, memorable movies, this one sucks in comparison. So agreed. it's well, not, it's not so bad that it's memorable because it's bad. Like Moonraker Moonraker to me is a very memorable film because it's fucking awful. I mean, the chick's name is Goodhead. What the yeah. hell? I mean, Oh, is this a Bratzer's video? Yeah, her name is Molly Goodhead. Doctor Molly Goodhead is the scientist chick in the in Moonraker. Yeah, and and the the whole joke at the end of it with Q going, I think he's attempting reentry, sir. Oh, oh no, no. But uh, so it's so bad that it's memorable. And then of course the best Bond films like Goldeneye and Casino Royale and Doctor No are so good because they're memorable. So this one is kind of forgetful because it's so middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I probably out of the three of us has the most limited Bond knowledge here. So on my scale, it's going to be different than it would be on Dan's scale and Tom's scale. And at the same time, me, I have no nostalgia about this film. Yeah. And we've proved on this podcast many times that nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes so, no matter how much you try to look past the nostalgia, it doesn't mass or it doesn't overcome it everything. Yeah. It still gets you. Yeah. Yeah. Was Quantum of Solace the one Bond film that had like every ch- kind of chasing except for a train one? Maybe. I just know that it's it's bland unless you've seen Casino Royale, and then it's only kind of bland. I remember the uh, spoofs of the theme song to Quantum of Solace. It's the Sultum of Qualis. What the hell does this mean? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I want to say that was the one where it's like, I remember watching it in theaters, and me and the wife are watching it. We're like, okay, we've got a foot chase. Okay, we've got a car chase. Okay, we're on planes now. Oh, yeah, that's oh, the very beginning the of the film. Yeah, the, the very beginning of the film, there's like a chase that goes everywhere. Yeah, and it's like, okay, we're in the planes. Uh, if I get a train scene, I get the bingo card. No train scene? God damn it. Now, that that would come later. Now, it was, I'll give Quantum uh, some credit. It did a far better job as a roaring rampage of revenge than this film did. Yeah, I can agree yeah. with that. I can agree with that. It's been so long since I've seen it. Like, I probably watched it once at theaters, and then I probably had it on in the background once after it came out on video. Mm-hmm. And when did, when did that come out? 2008? Christ, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, because Casino Royale came out in 06. Jesus Christ, Casino Royale came out in 06. (sighs) Daniel Craig is still a new Bond in my eyes. Yeah, I know. Lord, I feel myself withering like the Nazi from Indiana Jones. Wow. Oh, my God. But yeah, yeah, not the worst. Uh, I think we're just circling the drain here. Do we have uh, any other final thoughts on this film? No, I think uh, I think we've universally agreed that it's um, kind of meh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It left us hanging and then dropped us into the grinder. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) But I do look forward to future Bond films on this podcast with you guys so we can at least reference this one. 20 some more to get to. So we'll get to them. Yeah. We're on episode 88, and this is our first one. <laughs> I'm hoping we get to the other Timothy Dalton one, because I feel bad that this was a note he went out on, so I want to see the good one. I want to see the good one. Agreed. Yeah, yeah that's I, one of, I like that one. 
And that's it for tonight's show. As a reminder, you can find us on firepitpodcast.com. It is there that you can find links to Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Our regular episodes are generally Tuesdays at 6 p.m. We've had to skirt that a few times here and there, but reasonably that's when you can listen to our regular episodes. Please be sure to like and subscribe on whatever medium you choose. It really helps us out and we really do appreciate it. And for those new people out there or for you regular listeners who have not yet, if you like an episode, if you have some good things to say about us or just want to encourage more people to listen, leave a review. Give us a thumbs up, a star, a smiley face, a pickle emoji, and just go online wherever you listen to us and just say, hey, Give these guys a try. They're all right. And you know that'll help the search metrics, uh, help people find us when they look up, say, um, Timothy Dalton or, oh, shoot. Now I'm forgetting cigar guy's name. Um, Robert Davy. Robert Davy. You know, when they look for him, they'll see us pop up. Uh, so just do what you can and yeah, let people know about us. It'll be a big help. And uh, be sure to join us on our Discord server as well. Uh, links in the episode description, or even easier, you can find us at discord.me slash firepit. There you can get uh, notifications whenever we get new episodes. Um, you can chat with us. I don't know if that's a benefit or a positive, but you can. They can chat with me. <laughs> I mean, that's a positive. We're trying to get them to join the Discord, Tom. <laughs> And then you can uh, engage in other fans of the show. All of our previous guest stars are still on there, so you could tell them how much you enjoyed their performance and how fantastic a job that they did on the uh, episode, you know, eclipsing the hosts themselves. But please join us on uh, Discord. We love to chat and we love to share stuff. Um, we like to discuss, especially when you talk about us, because we're vain like that. So <laughs> get on there and talk about us and say how awesome we are. It's fun for us. Good so, Josh. You can also email us at curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. Uh, the uh, a-hole that uh, does the uh, interpersonal segment, he mentions it too a couple of times. And just be sure to also like our page on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at FirePitCCE. Both are linked in the episode's description as well on FirePitPodcast.com. Just uh, leave us a long message, a short message, a happy message, a sad message. Tell us we suck, that we're great, uh, that the, we watch terrible movies. We know that. So just... Whatever, we just we want to talk with our fans, interact with them. And speaking of interacting, I want to shout out two people who interact with us, fan-wise and listening-wise. From the Fire Pit side, O'Keefe, and from Podbean, Gray Honey Badger. Two of our growing number of listeners who show up, listen up, just like having us on their Facebook feed. Whatever it is you do, we appreciate it. And we thank you for helping to keep the fire pits burning. And I would also, as an editor, like to shout out Audacity. Audacity is the editing software I use every day, every week, every month to stitch all of these wonderful thoughts and comments and quirky rejoinders and skits together to make this fantastic fantastic podcast that you're listening to right now audacity is free software so i'm not paying a dime to use it 
but they're not paying me a dime to say a darn thing about them. But honestly, I can't say anything but good things about it. It's helped me out through going into a year and a half. It's helped me out. I'm sure it'll help you out. Oh, you're done? No, but I'll stop anyways. I'm going to cut you off regardless. Um, I would like to shout out Larry once again. Thank you. We sat and we BSed while I was getting my physical done this weekend and it took forever and I just happened to notice that his office was nearby. So I went, we bullshat for like an hour and I still had a two hour wait. So I love the efficiency of military sometimes. 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 But we had a good conversation. Larry, I always love hearing your feedback about our episodes. So I look forward to talking to you about it in the future again. And also, I I, I guess I want to shout out this other The Fire Pit podcast ironically oh because i just was curious so i started searching itunes for the fire pit podcast and apparently there's another one called the fire pit podcast but they camel case fire pit camel case what's that mean that means fire pit the f and the p is capitalized oh they've got seven episodes interesting yeah are they also a movie podcast they say self-improvement okay so So, i um, knew I knew about the... The golf one? Yeah, the golf one's done. Really? He hasn't posted a new one since November 7th, 2020. Okay. So we are effectively the longest running, best, and most well-produced Fire Pit podcast. So when you search for Fire Pit, search for the Fire Pit podcast, or just Fire Pit, but you're looking for the one with Tom, Dan, and Josh. We're not about... Any kind of self-improvement on this podcast. No, if anything, we actively sabotage ourselves. Yes, we're pretty bad about that. We are our own worst enemies. Maybe we do need to listen to the other Fire Pit podcast. If they are truly self-improvement, I definitely am going to stay away from that. (laughs) Same. Yeah, yeah. Are you done? I don't know. Is that technically a shout-out or a plug? It's more like a... Fuck around and find out. <laughs> Stay yeah. in your lane, fire pit. <laughs> yeah. Featured podcast. Okay. I would like to shout out Peggy, the OG friend of the channel, as always. Thanks for the continued listening and support. I would also like to shout out again, my wife, because it's our anniversary soon. And I promised I'd shout it out on the podcast, but I was afraid I would forget to shout it out on the week of the actual anniversary. So I just said, I'm going to shout it out in every episode we record in November. So... <laughs> I was. I was like, oh, I was just thinking, I'm like, oh, I'm going to forget to shout it out the week of our actual anniversary. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to shout out every episode we record in November. Shout out That's to my wife. Happy anniversary. Brilliant strategy, Nigel. It's like <laughs> you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So there you go. I'm going to take the grenade approach to pleasing my wife. I'm going to lob it over there and see what sticks. <laughs> Whatever, guys. Never been much of a sharpshooter. Always been a howitzer guy. <laughs> Anywho. Also, um, would like to uh, shout out this week. He's not a huge actor, and we've never actually featured him on the podcast. But uh, this past week, Dean Stockwell passed away. He was Al on um, Quantum Leap. Uh, he was the guy from the future that would uh, tell Sam what he was in the past to do that day. But I'm a huge science fiction fan, as anyone who's listened to any episode of the podcast knows. I'm a huge science fiction fan, especially Star Trek. But he, Dean Stockwell wasn't just on Star Trek shows. He was on Quantum Leap, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, the, he was on just all kinds of stuff. And he was kind of a sci-fi royalty. So just a special shout out to uh, Dean's 
Stockwell and his family. I always thought he was a heck of an actor. You know, I loved him and everything he was in. So I, I honestly cannot know, think of a movie he's done off the top of my head. But I really hope we get to a movie he's done at some point in time. I could have swore he was uh, in a film we'd seen before. Actually, you know what? He wasn't in a film we've seen, but he wasn't a film we've talked to. He's in Dune. He's in the original 1984 Dune. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We mentioned it once or twice in passing in this this podcast, but he's mostly known for TV roles. Like I said, Quantum Leap, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. but anyways, that's uh, my shout outs. And then uh, also just, I'm going to shout out the pod, or not Podbean, uh, Zencaster, our recording software. Once again, making it easy to start and stop recordings, have multiple recordings and not losing a single one of them. Also, the rumor is it makes our editor's life a little bit easier. So hats off to uh, Zencaster. Two uh, thumbs up. Yeah. yeah. Our editor always lets us know when things are difficult. So <laughs> often, often. Also, they they've been uh, giving us some uh, shout outs on Facebook. Yes, they have. Uh, they they put the um, hashtag "Made with Zencaster" or "Created with Zencaster" on there. Made with Zencaster. Yeah, made with Zencaster, and they've been retweeting the tweets for the episodes. And just the other day, they shared our podcast on their Facebook page. So I thought, hey, that was kind of cool. So yeah. we didn't even ask them to do that. Yeah, um, that's kind of yeah. awesome. Hey, nice guys. Zencaster, yeah. yeah, yeah, nice guy Zencaster. So thank you. Well, we've uh, smuggled the drugs. We've uh, really ground this one out. Um, so where to next? I mean, I don't know about you, but I got my sights set for the skies. Uh, well, I am looking forward to watching. Was it Joe Johnston do the job that got him Captain America? What? what? No, Joe Johnston. Oh, wait, Dan, Dan hasn't done his uh, trivia for next week yet, so he doesn't know. I don't like where this is going. Josh, did it's you hit all, your head? <laughs> don't panic, everybody. It's all part of the show. It's all part of the show. Please join us next week when we watch The Rocketeer. Thank you for saving this, Dan. Where am I? We need to get Josh a helmet. <laughs> We're watching <laughs> The Rocketeer. Until then, I've been Tom. I need to find the... I've been Josh. And I've been Dan. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Curtain Call Entertainment, LLC. Good luck out there. Capital job, Reginald. You keep this up and I'm sure you're going to have a long career here at MI6. You're welcome. Now, keep it down. 007 is coming to pick up the Aston Moth. Morning, Hugh. Good morning, 007. I have quite a treat for you today. Surprise me. This was crafted by a very special group of our newest interns. Hi. Hi. Don't find so many normal people in this business, Of course not, 007. They're an odd bunch, but they do seem to get the job done. Oh, and they've added a very special feature for you. Yep, out of my way. This is mine. Yep. All you need is a special code. What's my code? Right here, 007. Uh, 007, where are you going? Just taking the Aston Martin out for a quick spin, Q. Good luck, 007. Look at it, boys. We helped make that. <laughs> yep. Shiny. You see, Q, I am at the top of my game. With the right resources, I can accomplish anything. That's my design driving off right now. I see that, Reginald, and if all your projects are this successful, as I said, you have a long career ahead of you. I thank you. Thank you. Wait, what? You can't take all the credit! 
Yeah, what the hell, man? You act like you- I'm already thinking about the next big project, Q. Trust me, we can do another Austin Martin and make it uh, flight capable. We can add wings to it and everything. Yep, all Josh's fault. Yep, 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 we followed his lead. He told us everything to do and we followed to the letter, so it's all his. He tried to shoot for the moon and he failed. Yes, oh, sir. Oh, for fuck's sake. <sighs> They're all fired. Yep, yep, yep. Can't say I'm surprised again. Can we use you as a reference, though?